Dear Ivy, I've met with a scholar, and I use that term lightly, to decipher what I found aboard the Peacock. I witnessed something extraordinary the other night, and located a journal written in the old tongue. I believe, if properly translated, a page from said journal may help us decipher the message from our friend the Herald. I'll begin work on that translation as soon as the Peacock departs. I will write you again soon. James. Well, it's a pleasure doing business with you, Mr. Doctor. Sorry, Dr. Frangine. You too, scholar. If you'd ever like to come back for one of the mummies or for the dagger or even that old tongue over there, we've got it. I can definitely cut you a deal. If I can rustle up the coin, I'll be back. And heads out. I think he's going to head to the Elinwick Society. Okay. To, to try and get a little favor. Yeah. So the Elinwick University Society of, of Scholars is a small affluent looking shop. It's got a big window display with a couple of items likely mislabeled, but out front. Heading in, there's a little secretary's desk and like a little meeting rooms and so a woman sitting there. Oh, can I help you? Hi, I'm Professor McCullough from the Elinwick University. I was hoping to huh. speak with some scholars here. Yeah, we do that here. You're from the you're from the university proper, huh? I am, yeah. Huh? Nobody told me you were coming. Yeah, I don't suppose they would. Why do you suppose that? It's a big university, and I'm just passing through. Passing through? Okay. Yeah. You'll have to fill out this member's registration card. and uh, I can do that. Yeah. He starts filling it out, hoping that it'll be more than three days before this gets back to the university and back here. Yeah, more than likely. Yeah, so he goes ahead and fills that out. Okay. Everything you need is in the back. So I, I have no experience with a place like this. Oh, you have uh, no experience here. Okay. No, I've never been here before. Can you tell me a little bit about the place? Yeah, so we've got the, the common area is right here behind me. And she gestures to a lounge with a bunch of couches and things. There's a few distinguished looking people enjoying cigars and cognac and the... Latest finds are on display in the window. You can check out their provenance at the room right over there. There's a small room and you can see there's some plaques and things laid out on a table. And then, yeah, if you need anything, you can let me know or there's a few people in the back that can help out. Yeah, you can just make All yourself right. comfortable. Thank you. He heads back. I think James was hoping that this was more of, of a learning college. Yeah. I, I think James would definitely be more disappointed to find out that the societies around here are more social clubs. Yeah. It's not really a learning institution. It's not even a research institution. Yeah. It's just a bunch of old guys hanging out. Bunch of old guys hanging out. Because James has historically gotten along much better with the students than the other professors. Yeah. He's going to head back and he's going to introduce himself to the least curmudgeonly looking person. Yeah. I'll say that there's probably not very many people. Yeah. There's probably like three or four people. Yeah. And seated off to the corner a little ways from the three or four older looking gentlemen is someone who's probably a little bit older than James with a very bored look on his face reading a newspaper. And you can see the 
tag of the display. Dr. Dennis O'Shea. Dr. Dennis O'Shea. Who is Dr. Dennis O'Shea? Dr. Dennis O'Shea is the name on the display that the woman at the front pointed out. It's a few items from the far west, air quotes. The far west again, yeah. Yeah, that have been labeled and put on display. Well, I think James is going to walk up to that bored-looking person. (laughs) He's channeling his inner Lockwood because cold introducing yourself to somebody is not usually his thing. But yeah, he's going to walk out and say, hello. The newspaper, like, crumples down and looks a little confused. Hello. I haven't... Are you with the university? I haven't seen you around here before. I'm with the university in Elinwick. You looked bored. I thought I'd introduce myself. James McCullough. Ah, Dennis O'Shea. Nice. Nice to meet you. You've got the piece out front, don't you? Yeah, that's me. I just got back from the far west. How far? Oh, always. That's actually where I'm heading. Oh, really? Yeah, I've got a boat that leaves in three days. What part are you heading to? I actually don't know that yet. Oh, hi. Have you arranged an expedition? An expeditionary force? No force. Just myself doing my own personal research. Ah, okay. You're probably heading to the one port by the uh, the tribes allowed established. I wouldn't, if you don't have a for, an expeditionary force, I wouldn't stray too far from that. They get a little uppity. Do you think maybe it's the expeditionary forces that make them a little uppity? So you're one of those kind of scholars. Yeah, I'm one of those kind of scholars. What can you tell me about the piece that you brought back? We went pretty deep into the woods, found several items. There's a lot of cataloging things from nomadic tribes is difficult, but we got some cookware. We got some masks that are clearly very important to them. A few weapons here and there, the usual stuff. Did you ever do any research into their language? Ah, in the language, we did have to converse with a few of the nomadic tribes, but I think I did a pretty good job of translating. I've got something here. He goes through his bag. I think he he pulls out not the speech that the wolf pelt guy, but a paragraph written from the sailor's journal. I've got something here that I ran across in my research back in Elinwick, but I had trouble translating because nobody there is studying this sort of thing. You think you could take a look? Yeah, yeah, I can take a look. No problem. He takes a look, flips it over, looks at it, turns it upside down, turns it back, looks at it. Yeah, uh, this is this is a tough one. Handwriting is obscure. Can I hold on to this for a couple of days? I can get you. Uh, I can get it translated with enough time. How much time do you think it'll take? Just a couple of days. I'm only here for three days. Three days. Okay, that's a rush. But yeah, I I could see what I could do. Would you like to roll something? I would like to roll something. A vigilance or perception check might be in order. Okay. Yeah. yeah I think James can tell by him maybe flipping it over. Uh-huh. Maybe something's up here. How difficult? I think it's still just average. Okay. With these guys. And you, you've got a boost from being clued in with the folks that you've met in this town so far. Yeah. Interesting. That is two successes, one threat, and a triumph. And a triumph. Yeah. Three days. Okay. That's, like I said, 
you know, it's a tight turnaround. Is it I'll have to, too much? I mean, I can take it to one of the no, other. No, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Yeah, I can definitely get my, I can definitely get on this right away. Can I take this with me? It's a copy. Sure. Okay, great. Yeah, I'll see you back here in, let's say, the day after tomorrow. Yes, that is three days. Now, this place wouldn't happen to have any residences for visiting professors, visiting scholars, visiting students, anything like that. I ask as I pull on my former professor uh-huh. talent that uh, allows me to have a small favor from university. Uh, you know, there is a small apartment upstairs. You can see the, the uh, lady up front. She kind of manages the key up there, but uh, I don't think anybody's in it currently. Perfect. I will speak with her and get something arranged and you can find me there even when you get this translated. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I'll get right, I'll get the right, I will get right on it. So I, I did get a success on that, uh-huh. on that check. So you have no idea? Yeah. So he's stumbling over his words and yeah. he, he looks like he really wants to leave because he wants to impress you. And some of those stumblings, because you have a success, are that he strong, has strongly implied that he's doing the translation, yeah. but that all appears to be a lie. Okay, great. Triumph. As he gets up and leaves, there's a business card or some kind of card left in the chair. Okay. All right. Yeah. James grabs the business card, takes a look at what it says. And I really should plan these out better so we can build exactly what it says together. But essentially... Okay. It is a business card for far west scholars and like it's not like a it's not like a circus ticket or anything like that. Right. There is I think James is discovering for the first time that while it's still rare, folks from the far west do end up in this town. Okay. And there is a section where they can be found, and that's what's on this card. Okay. It's some kind of consultation card in particular like because of the way we've established this town that the name and the label on this card are basically giving society members of all the different societies a way of generating clout without having to leave the town okay if you need a backstory for an item you just purchased from down the street they can make one for you yeah What's the name of the... Could be Occidental Facts and Figures. Okay. Do I think that these people would know things, or they just know enough to make things up? I don't know what other information is on the card of how it's written, but there's basically a tagline or something that explains that the figures isn't numbers. It's people. That they have facts and people from the far west. Yeah. And this is, I mean, as a triumph for the piece of information, it's clear that this is actually where Dr. O'Shea is heading at the moment to try and get your paper translated, pretending to be translating it himself. I think James will set up uh, getting that room upstairs with the person up front and then unload all of his things. And it's probably late afternoon by the time he would set out to try and find that place. Okay. Or maybe he would just get dinner and try tomorrow. He's had a long day. He's had a long He's day. He's done a lot of walking. I think, I think, yeah, he would probably go back towards the less fancy part of town and find a place to 
to grab some food. What kind of food is he grabbing? I think he ends up settling for a place that does, maybe it's like local, like I guess the most local would be Garia. Yeah. What sort of place is that? It's a good Garian dish. I think that Garia has a lot of poultry and rice would be the two things that come to mind for me. So yeah, it's a slow roasted chicken, rosemary, and roasted garlic pie. It's got onions and carrots, and it's like nice, thick, chickeny gravy inside. Perfect. And I think he, uh, it's still nice out. He, he finds a spot outside. The nice thing about a pie is that it's enclosed. It's portable. You can take it with you. So he finds a good place to sit where he can just watch and not be bothered by anyone being it. And with what I know about James, so there's a wide open market that you kind of came through and there's this giant courtyard that's two courtyard squares meshed together at an odd angle and a lot of people trekking through. There's a benches scattered about and all of that and James definitely has found the one that's like up against a building at the edge of it where people won't bother him but it does stand out to him that even towards the evening this place is crowded. A little too crowded for James. Yeah. I think uh, while he enjoys his food he moves on quickly heading back to where he's staying and getting there as the sun goes down and he's not ready to crack open that new book yet so he does some yeah does some sketching of the things that he saw during the day and some doodling of some of the things that he saw inside dr frangine's like what their actual maybe real purposes were rather than what they were listed and stuff like that <laughs> and i think as he has been moving away from Elenwick, he has started keeping a, a daily journal of the of what he's been experiencing. And I think he takes a little bit of time to write some of those things, some of maybe not talking about the weird stuff yet in a letter, which letters, they're openable. He's not a full conspiracy nut yet, but maybe someday. So he doesn't talk about the guy who unzippered his head, but his other experiences writes in a letter to Ivy and writes the address of the Dicey Cantina on it and it's going to send it sometime tomorrow. Okay. The apartment is cozy but significantly larger than the cabin on the ship. can stretch out in here. Everything a visiting professor or scholar would expect to have. And the bed is comfy. So as James drifts off to sleep, the smell of sweet flowers is on the air from the leather pouch that he bought earlier today. And it's unusual for James to have this dream. It comes out of nowhere and it feels very much like a dream. He's in a place that he can't quite explain. There's tall hedgerows around. There's there's a stone bench. Everything seems bigger than it ought to be taller and far away. And there's there's a little playful laughter that sounds familiar to James, excites him. It feels like fun is around. And this odd light, a small bouncing light comes out from the hedges, from the flowers in the garden and dance around James, floating on the air, little wisps saying something. 
it it makes no sense, but it feels so familiar. And then there's a loud, and James wakes up to ships leaving Klon with the unsettledness of a peculiar dream had. Does he remember the dream? As, as well as anyone can remember a dream. Everything was odd and out of place, but yeah. he definitely remembers it. Yeah. It's all sort of out of focus in the way that a dream is. The feeling of it lasting more than the actual images of the dream, I think, leaves him with that sense of playfulness, but like an unsettling reality to it as well. And I think he tries to shake it off as he gets ready for the day, washing up in what the little basin that they've probably got in this little space and putting on his, he's got like a light linen or chambray shirt or something like that, ready for exploring the town as he thinks about the uh, occidental facts and figures they said he's gonna try and find this morning. So wandering the streets again, James is able to make his way towards the address that's on the card. It, it takes a little bit of backtracking and retracking, and not all of the street signs are designed to be yeah. read by visitors, but he makes his way there eventually. And I think he's pretty used to traveling through the city as well, just cities in general. So he gets, still gets that sense of how crowded it is here yeah. compared to even Elinwick, which is a large place to be. This place is, has more people and a smaller amount of space. But yeah, he finds a kind of tucked away corner that has, it's a t- one of the taller buildings that's been built a little bit further to the west than he's been so far. It's multi-story kind of brick and square. And going in, there's a little ledger sign on the wall, and he's able to find that room 209 is the place he's looking for. Okay. Yeah. Part of why he didn't go there the previous day was that he was hungry. And the other part was that (laughs) figuring that his new friend Dennis was probably heading to this place at that time really want to run into him. So he had given Dennis the bit from the journal and as he walks into this place he flips through his book and then bookmarks the page that had the speech that that person gave at the gala. Yeah. So there's some fine painted lettering on the glass window pane of the door that's all like a frosted glass and it says the occidental facts and figures of the far west and opening the door there's a wide open open concept office there's a secretary's desk kind of in front and there's a woman sitting there who perks up seeing you and you can see there's a few desks with people sitting and writing and reading and things along those lines and then what is clearly like the manager's office is off to the side with a, it almost looks like it's like a newspaper office. Or a, a paper company? Yes, exactly. And so the woman at the front looks up and says, oh, welcome. How can we help you today? Hi, I recently came into possession. He's again channeling his inner Lockwood because lying is not something he does, but he's going he's gonna to try and fabricate a little bit of a story. 
I recently came in possession of some strange text. And from what I heard, this place employs people not only who know of the Far West, but who have lived there. I was hoping to get in touch with somebody who has lived in the Far West. Oh, you've come to the right place if you're wanting something from the Far West translated. We have lots of different options. I can get you connected with one of our sales folks. Just know that there are different tiers to the translations, depending on how much accuracy you want. Do you have the translation you want provided? Oh, I have it right here. He holds up his book and he does not give it. Oh, that's great. That shaves a lot of time off off our end to have the the translation you want. Uh, so we can provide that to you with the provenance, proper provenance. Do you need any figures or artifacts to go with your translation? Particular story of how you want it found? No. Okay. No, I just need the words. In fact, I don't need the provenance. You don't need the provenance? No, I'm, I'm not looking to sell it. She looks confused. If you already have the translation of what you're looking for and you don't need a provenance for it, what do you need us for? I have untranslated words that I was hoping somebody may help oh, me. Oh, you want a genuine translation. I do. Oh, okay. I suppose that's going to cost extra. Yeah, that's, uh, okay. Yeah, I can get you connected with the right person. And she has you wait in the lobby and goes in the back and collects somebody who calls you into their office a few moments later and is sitting there. You've clearly been given to a, a salesperson uh-huh. and to save you and me the headache as players i'm not going to go into the sales pitch but he gives you a long sales pitch about all the different items some of them genuine some of them not so genuine that this place provides and then after going through his whole spiel and boring poor james to tears finally asks what can we do for you uh-huh. I explained this to the woman out front. I have something that I need translated, a genuine translation. I don't need provenance. I don't need a a story to go along with it. I just need the words. Just need the words. Okay. We do have a person on staff who can do that for us. They are currently tied up with another translation that came in yesterday. How long do you have before you need this back? I will be leaving the city in... 24 hours. 24 hours. Ooh, okay. That's right. Yeah. For counting the first day as the first day. Yeah. Yeah. It's all wibbly wobbly time yeah. and wimey stuff. But yes. Yeah. We count yesterday as the day. Yeah. You'd be leaving in the 24 hours. Okay. That's definitely going to incur a, a rush fee. And there's the matter of that our translator is currently tied up with something else. Yeah. It'll be about 200, I would say. 200. It's a yeah. little steep for me. Hmm. Do we want to negotiate with this guy or do we want to get him to a... Now, if I didn't need it tomorrow, what would the fee be? If you didn't need it tomorrow, it would take us about a week to translate and that would be about 75. Last question. If I needed it in two days... Two days is probably the same price because we would have to bump a current well-respected client to, to fit you in. Let's say you didn't have that client. Kind of do have that client. Let's say if, I came back next week. Give oh, you two days to translate it. 
gave us two days to translate. Yeah, that would, uh, without being a current client, I don't know, 150 probably. Okay. okay. In that case, I had better be going. Oh, okay. are you sure? Yes, it's a little bit out of my price range and I would hate to get in the way of you translating something for a well-respected client. I'm not supposed to do this, but we could bump that client for the 150. Completely out of character. What is the likelihood that I could take the translation that the other guy is getting done that cost him 150 uh-huh. and use that against the text, the original text, to try to translate the other text? Oh, that's a good question. I'm glad you asked that question because I'm still trying to figure out how best to get you the translation, but it cost money. Because I'm going to get this guy's journal. Yeah. Like, or at least like a little bit of it. So that would provide some reference for translation, not not perfect reference, but some. These are good questions that <laughs> I'm winging it on. So I'm trying to think. Yeah. Because I feel like fit this in. Both of these texts are important because one affects what is going on the boat right now. And yeah. one probably affects the whole world. So one of them's got to get done. And the one that affects the boat is more immediate for, as far as James is concerned, to bring this back into character. That one is more immediate for his own livelihood yes. and or life. Life. I think that it's a non-zero chance that you can use what you currently have yeah. to translate what you had. And I agree that I think it, the item currently being translated is the priority for yeah. James information wise. Yeah, it's more immediately important. I think when it comes closer down the line, translating the transcribing the information between the two is a role and we would do yeah. a role and decide how much gets carried over. Yeah. Okay. Or how much the investigation continues. Yeah. See, so yeah, I don't think James is going to negotiate on this. I think he's going to walk away from the 150 and okay. uh because heck, Dennis Dennis is trying to impress me, and uh, it, apparently it costs 200 bucks to impress me. Yeah. Okay. Or maintain a reputation about being yeah. a translator from the far west that yeah. no one else knows about. Yep. Yeah, so I think he's going he's gonna to have to walk away. And I, I don't think he's particularly unhappy. I think all these thoughts occurred to him while he was, while he was getting the sales pitch too because it's obvious that not many people know this language so the likelihood was that they probably only had one person translating so yeah he thanks the salesperson there's an obviously dejected salesperson for not closing the sale yep and uh, he exits the occidental facts and figures of the far west where to now i think he's got quite the journey ahead of him i think he's going to spend some time at the shops, maybe pick up another book just in case he doesn't get to another like port of this magnitude. He's probably going to pick up some snacks, maybe another, I don't know, another shirt or something. Just stuff. I think it's a shopping montage that we don't really uh-huh. need to do. Okay. Yeah. And you're just letting the days pass. Yeah. It's time to go. I think he's, he's also probably absorbed enough of this city. And is, if possible, going to find some space away from it. But that's probably not possible around here. Is it? And he might, like, head out to the actual docks and uh, 
try to find one uncrowded dock or something like that. Yeah, there's a dilapidated pier that has fallen into disrepair and it's it sees out the rest of the port, but nothing comes in and can really dock there. It's one of those, you take a couple of rickety paths over to a couple of the bridged islands and all of that. And this one just happens to not really be good for anything at the moment. Yeah. I think at some point he stops in at the, what was it? The land's end? The Yeah. He stops in at the land's end and lets Arthur know where he's staying and checks to see if they, knowing full well that they did not get their papers approved uh-huh. yet, checks to see if they got their papers approved yet. Yeah. Archer looks a little dejected. It's like another day or so. Bureaucracy and blah, blah, blah. He seems less congenial than he does at the Dicey Cantina and Elon Wick. Yeah. James empathizes. He knows all about bureaucracy. Yeah. And so the days pass by and James gets word that the translation is done. Great. He's going to go meet with Dennis O'Shea. Dennis O'Shea. So Dennis seems most interested uh, when he meets with James before handing over the translation. He's like, where did you get this ancient text? I have to ask. It's most peculiar. That's a great question. I don't think this guy holds a particularly high opinion of James because he's one of those scholars. I think he's going to tell the truth and it's just going to sound ridiculous. He says, I found it on the, in a journal, somebody on the boat traveling on. Really? <laughs> oh. So you're coming from the far west then? No, Sam. I'm going to the far west. Going to the far west. So someone's keeping an old journal on your ship. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. The translation was really difficult. I had to work really hard on it. Oh, I, I imagine so. There was a few obscure components, but it was... What was what I thought was interesting is that it references a a Kenwich ship. Does it now? Yeah, I know the empires are old and all, but this it was so modern to relevant events. It kind of stood out to me. Does it mention it by name? No, it said that Arlt tried to explain that Cassor's power was fading, but he refused to use anything except the, and this one was a tricky one, the Easta, Easta something, it's going to come to me. Yeah. No, that doesn't mean anything to you. It didn't remind me of anything in particular. But the second part of the page kind of stood out. It said that we had to throw the captain overboard and hide the Kenwich ship. Now, is that past tense or future tense? I, I got the distinct impression it was past tense. Okay. But that, it's Klon that goes out to the far west. I don't think Kenwich has anything to do with those islands, so I don't know why some ancient journal would reference it. Maybe they were exploring out that way before the trading company was established, but... The Shepamon's pretty old. Oh. Okay. They might have found it, I don't know, somewhere in the stores or something. Yeah. Sounds like you've got, like, ancient pirates. You let me know if there's any more things you need translated. Be happy to find uh, a buried treasure, you know? Do I know my next destination, where the ship is heading next? Yes. I do happen to have something else that needs to be translated, but I'm leaving town. 
I don't suppose you could translate it and send a copy of the translation to me. Yeah, how long are you staying? Ships don't regularly head out to the far west. It's pretty intermittent. I can get it translated and send your way, but you might just pick it up when you come back, too. It is fairly important that I get it translated. Why don't you spend some time with it, and I'll pick it up when we head back through here. Yeah, spending time is certainly cheaper. I mean, it, it makes it easier to tra- uh, translate. So I think he spends a, a minute making a copy of, uh, of the text and then hands it to Dennis. Okay. It's a bit longer. And I see Castor in here. Yes, that is an important detail. I spotted that as well. Yeah, sure. I can translate this. It's just, it'll take some time. So when you come back through, you can just look me up here. I'll be sure in, if you don't find me that, that there'll be a copy here at the, the society. Perfect. I'll put in a good word back at the university when I get back. Awesome. That'd be great. Well, I better be off. All right. Shoulders his bag. Safe travels. Safe translating. Not safe for my pocketbook. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. And uh, James heads back to the boat. This translation in hand, I think he is decided that he needs to find Arthur first. Okay. Arthur is uh, pretty easy to find. Yeah. He is standing at the top of the gangway, the same way you found him at uh, in Elenwick and directing materials being loaded in by the crane. Arthur, I'm sorry to bother. Can I have a word? Ah, James, it's not really a good time. No, do you you have a foreman or anybody that you can put in charge for a few moments? He looks around and he snaps his fingers and that little, that young uh, man, the the 14-year-old kid, runs up. Make sure they don't break anything. He takes Arthur aside and says, this is strange and might be hard to believe. You might have some dangerous people among your crew. What do you mean dangerous? Dangerous. I overheard two of your crew members speaking. They might have something to do with the disappearance of the boat from Kenwich. Now that is difficult to believe. Really? They are good sailors, but I don't know how they'd make something disappear. These are two of your newer, newer crew members. You mean Ollie and Todd? How certain are we talking here? Very certain. I feel like I'm going to have to roll a deception, but one of them dropped something. It was written in a very obscure language, but I spent the last three days working on getting it translated. It mentions the Kenwich ship throwing the captain overboard and disappearing the ship. Yeah, let's roll a deception. Okay. Can I have a boost because I am telling the truth in part? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. How difficult is it? Let's see. Arnold. Arthur? Arthur. Arthur has no stats. Uh, I can't even remember his name, so it probably makes him average. Just an average human. I do want to flip on this one, I think. I actually also do. Okay. And I think there is a setback. And I think there is a setback because Ollie and Todd haven't really proven to be particularly competent sailors. Them being involved in some kind of conspiracy is odd. Can I have a boost because the two of us go back a little ways? Yes. But I'm going to add another setback because I think that there is a pause as you get ready to roll this when Arthur asks for the proof, the evidence. Okay. Can I hand him the evidence and have another boost? If you take another setback with it, because it is written in an obscure language. But I also hand the translation. 
you have the translation, but he has not seen this language before. Okay. It's a lot of dice. <laughs> it's a lot of dice. We kept going there. Wow. That's incredible. On all of those dice, I've got five blank dice, one success, one failure, and seven advantages. So with seven advantages, uh-huh. my words are not working, but may- maybe this group of new sailors is not really integrating into the crew the way sailors usually do. Something like that. Is it? Something's making them stand out. I think that they definitely stand out. And with seven advantages, you Arthur's on your side. Uh-huh. But I think that the net wash is that he can't do anything. He can't take this evidence to the captain. Yeah, he can't, he can't right. prove it to the captain. This is pretty flimsy, James. I'm inclined to believe you, but I can't take this to the captain. And if I can't do that, my hands are tied with their contract. But I'm going to keep an eye on them, and you should too. If you could, if you trust any of the any of the Marines, the Merchant Marines, I would have them keep an eye on them as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But maybe this shouldn't even go up to the captain. Maybe this is... No, no, yeah, don't take this to the captain directly. We need more evidence. We need to be able to prove our case. It's going to be unsettling setting sail with uh, such a precarious situation. But I'll keep an eye and you keep an eye on them and just be ready. Just watch out in case they make a move. I'll let you get back to your, uh, your work. I'm in the same room? Yes, you're in the same room. All right, I'll head in there and uh, unpack. And Arthur's attention changes to the crew with the crates. Boy, that's as fragile on the box. Can't you read? And he storms off. James goes back and sets up the room the way he had it a couple days ago. Gets all settled in. And the peacock sets sail again once everything's loaded up. There's the loud horn, the steam engine getting ready to rev up and head out and... James sets sail out towards the west, further than he's ever been. I mean, he's already been further than he's ever been. Right. But the the ship heads north and west, and there's a this is a several week journey to make it out to the far west port. Now, how is James keeping tabs on Todd and Ollie? The first thing he's going to do is realizing potentially that Patty was having trouble reading that vampire book. I think on the first night, James offers to read the new book, The Tale of Korat, to any crew members who want to hear the story. So he gathers a few people and and reads the first chapter of, of that. Mm-hmm. Do you think Ollie and Todd would join? Yes. They join. Yeah. James purposefully picked a, a book about a creature that transforms because he wants to watch their reactions and, and see how they how they look while they're listening to the story. for listening to the latest episode of the Foxglove Letters. We hope you've enjoyed the adventure so far and can't wait to see where the story goes. Before we go, we want to let you know that we love hearing from our listeners. 
If you have a question for our players, their characters, a comment on the story, or just want to say hello, drop us a line at DiceyCantina at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and YouTube at DiceyCantina for behind-the-scenes artwork and world-building. Or, if you just prefer to chat, join the Discord. Links to everything are in the show notes. If you're enjoying the show, please consider giving us a five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast platform, as it helps us grow the show and reach more listeners. The Fox Club Letters is a creation of Dicey Cantina, playing Genesis by Edge Studio. Until next time, dear listeners, don't forget the words of Mr. Cunningham when he said, don't just watch the world pass you by. Reach out and grab the stars.